Thanks to Hollywood, we think of pirates as romantic heroes, swashbuckling treasure hunters, and adventurous sailors. They were all those things, but the high seas were a place of dread, monsters, and death. And the real pirates were dangerous. They would capture your ship, cut off your head, and take everything you cared about. And sometimes, the law let them do it. Shiver me timbers, shiver me soul. There are men whose hearts are as black as coal. Arg me hearties. I mean, it sounds like such a twee and, and ridiculous thing to say at the start of an episode about pirates, but pirates have been a part of human history since seafaring was a part of human history. You know, there's always someone willing to steal. And if you steal out at sea, you're called a pirate. That's pretty much the best definition I can come up with. Anthony Meter is with me. He's my co-host. This is Blind History. And do you agree with my definition? Yeah, 100%. I just think to add to the RR, I think that was just because they are drunk and they couldn't talk because of the rum. <laughs> you know, the only way to start an episode like this, because I know everybody, even kids at primary school, have their favorite pirate. I remember I did a project on them when I was in, what, grade four or whatever. And you learn the big names like Blackbeard and Barbarossa and those guys. But it started way, way before that. The ancient Egyptians knew about pirates, right? Correct, yes. I think, as you mentioned, as people started using boats, that, that's when piracy started in some form. And definitely the Egyptians as being the powerhouse before the common era, there was definitely a lot of pirates involved. Now, I remember reading Asterix books as a kid obsessively. I'm sure you did too. It's probably yeah. one of the reasons I love history so much. But in Asterix, the pirates make regular cameo appearances. Basically, whenever they're at sea, the pirates pitch up. Correct. And they always seem to get the, the, the short end of the stick. They always end up sinking. So it's been romanticized, I think, prior to the Caribbean and all that. But these guys were scary. They drank hard. They swore. They Women were, were used left, right, and center. Exactly. 100%. And then we talk about eye patches. You see these little parrots on their shoulder, and they've got eye patches and wooden legs. But this was serious business. I mean, they risked serious injury from the tough and the, the violent life that they had at sea. So, you know, arms and legs, and I suppose eyes for that matter, where the body parts are most commonly lost. And they they got these, uh, there was some strange system, the compensation system for pirates around the world where they where they could actually get a peg leg made or a silver arm or... Yeah, or, or a patch over their eye or whatever. Or a patch over their eyes. We see them in every like caricature of pirates. They've always got something missing, you know. Correct. But that's, that's actually what really happened. Because if they just, they had too much rum and they fell overboard and broke their leg, they'd drag them back out and they have to put a peg in. Pirates at the peak of the Roman era were actually a very commonplace thing as well. And they were a major problem. In fact, armies had to contend with them. And there were sea battles very often with whole fleets of pirate ships. And actually, and a lot of big names were involved in this. Marcus Antony, who I think a lot of people know with Cleopatra, etc., his granddad was killed by pirates. And um, the pirates in the, in the Mediterranean, in the, the Eastern Mediterranean, got so bad that they um, they got one of their greatest generals or the, one of the greatest generals in Roman history, Pompey the Great, to actually go and sort the pirates out, which he actually did. But it got to such a level that they really had to launch all attack on them. The other interesting thing about pirates, and we'll get to these when we start looking at the individuals in, in each story, because there are amazing, amazing stories. You almost can't cover them in hours, let alone minutes, but there were women. Women were also pirates, and some very famous women were pirates. I think also later on in the golden era, which was the 1700s onwards, 
there was some famous woman. Anne Bonny was one. Mm -hmm. Mary Reed was another one. And they were actually closely linked to one of the famous pirates, which was Calico Jack. Okay, so let's let's start with someone who people don't even know is a pirate, because there was a small difference between pirates and privateers. Privateers were people who were basically doing exactly the same thing that pirates were, stealing, um, sinking ships, causing havoc on the seas, but they were sanctioned by governments. So the Spanish government or the British government at that time, you know, the English queen in this case that we're about to discuss, they gave them a notice that they were able to carry out these pirate activities and be protected by the sovereign. And the most famous guy who I didn't know was a pirate until very recently was Francis Drake. You know, growing up and reading about Francis Drake, he was the first Englishman to circumnavigate the world. I mean, this is what, you know, explorer like Magellan or Columbus. But actually, he was a proper pirate. Uh, you called him a privateer. But um, he grew up with the Hawkins family, who were his second cousin. And they, they were notorious in terms of pillaging on sea. And he started with his second cousin taking slaves across from West Africa, across into the New World, as they call it, into the Indies, which is West Indies today. That's right. Now, he, he obviously was also well known for being an explorer and, uh, you know, one of Queen Elizabeth's favorites, one of the people who she regularly gave money to. He plotted mutinies. He raided Spanish ports. The Queen just loved him. She knighted him upon his return, and uh, he helped to defeat the Spanish Armada eventually. So he was, he was a hero and a villain in the same life. I didn't know that this guy was so talented at the pillaging side, but he was an out-and-out pirate, a great entrepreneur. And um, all he was really interested in was plunder. It was part of his DNA to, to plunder, and that's what he did. Under the guise of Queen Elizabeth, I think, I think she had a soft spot for him. And she called him my pirate. So, I mean, it, that definitely explains it. But, but she invested her own money privately in his escapades as well. Well, I mean, what you're talking about is almost one of the first really corporate entities that was selling shares. Um, she was basically buying stocks in piracy. <laughs> That's hundred percent. And then when people started looking skew at her, she had to do something. And I think he right. got into a bit of trouble, but he was never going to be taken out. But I think he was killed fighting for England. Well, before he came along, I mean, there were two famous brothers, and people usually only remember the one, but the Barbarossa, which means red beard in Italian brothers, Aruj and Hazir, they both came from North Africa, so our own continent featuring quite prominently here. They got rich by capturing a whole lot of European vessels in the Mediterranean, obviously. And their early victims were popes, Sardinian warships, uh, the Spanish, and even the Ottoman sultan. And then eventually he hired them basically to, to take care of the Barbary coast. In fact, that coast is named after them, the Barbarossas. They stood out like you cannot believe because Southern Europe, you know, most people have got black hair. And these guys, mm. they had these big red beards and they were quite frightening, but they were extremely successful to such an extent that they were given governorships of, I think it was Tunisia and possibly Algeria by the Ottoman Sultan. These guys were also eventually drawn into what was basically a, a war because there was a holy league which was formed by the Pope in order to destroy the Barbarossas and it turned into a kind of religious war at sea almost, even though these guys were much more into lucre than they were into, into God. You know, when we look into and research pirates, they've actually had a big say in the course of history. And this particular instance, 100%, the Christian Crusades that you're talking about, they actually were based in Rhodes. And in the end, the Barbarossas cleaned them out. The leaders of the time around the world, Elizabeth, as you mentioned before, and 
and the sultans, etc., the Dutch, they almost, in a way, hired mercenaries. They used them to achieve a goal in what we would call a cold war because there wasn't an official war going on, but they could still fight this cold war with these pirates or privateers. Of course, not all of them were terrible people. Some of them didn't even kill anyone, but they developed this reputation as a group for being ruthless and merciless and violent and cold-blooded. And I know how people who listen to Blind History love a bit of gory description. And um, there's some special mentions here for Lolone. He was in the Caribbean, which was a favorite place of many of these pirates, somewhere around the 17th century, right? And he would apparently hack his victims to pieces bit by bit or squeeze a cord around their necks until their eyes popped out. Lonay was one of the worst. At a stage, there were two sailors that he thought were about to start a mutiny, etc. He couldn't trust them. So he basically cut the one heart out and bit into the heart. And then obviously the next one was very scared and became very compliant. He eventually got uh, back what was coming to him because apparently in 1668, he was captured and eaten by cannibals. So, you know, it didn't all go well. No, you know, the wheel definitely turned on him. One I really enjoyed was, which I didn't know anything about, was what they, they called the Black Monk, which his name was Eustace, born in northern France on the coast. And he, for some reason, decided to join a monastery. But he caused such havoc that he was expelled from the monastery. But his name, they kept his name as the Black Monk. But he sold himself to the English, and King John used him extensively to fight the French. And at the same time, he would pillage. But he changed sides, whoever would pay him top dollar or whatever it was called, the currency at the time. And then he switched over to the French. So he was really, really hated by the English. And they finally chopped his head off and then they paraded it to everybody just to know, don't ever change sides. It's amazing what, when you read these stories, what people had to do to frighten the common people into behaving themselves, parading a chopped off head around. <laughs> you know, fear was the only way that anything was ever managed, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm sure you'll raise it later, but Blackbeard was... Famous for using that fear factor. Absolutely. So Henry Morgan was an interesting guy, by no means the most dangerous or deadly pirate, but he was probably the best known of the buccaneering era because he once ordered his men to lock the inhabitants of a port inside a church so that they could plunder the town without the people bothering them. He moved on to capture Portobello, which is in Panama, and he created a human shield out of priests, women, and the mayor. I know this sounds like a pretty awful person, but over the next few years, he actually ended up serving as governor of Jamaica in 1678. And ironically, the Jamaican legislature, while he was in charge there, passed an anti-piracy law, <laughs> which, means, which means that he was prosecuting his former shipmates, basically. He did spend some time in jail back in England because he pushed the limits too much and then they, they had to do something. So they did chuck him in jail. But when he came back, he decided to retire because he used his money. He was actually quite clever and he used his money to buy plantations so he actually settled down to retirement, but he didn't live very long, I Gareth. I think in the 50s, he, he drank himself to death, telling stories to everybody about his pirate days. Well, it must have been a hell of a lot of good stories, though. That's for sure. Definitely. Germany's not known for their pirates. You know, there's only a small part of their coast that's facing the sea. And in the 1300s, there was a very popular sea route between Russia and England and Sweden and Denmark. And this individual, Storterbiker, he would basically extort the region. In other words, if you want to come through this region, you need to pay me money. And that was his main way of earning money. But the big thing about him was when he died, he said to his captives, when the Germans caught him, he said, listen, please set my crew free. 
Yeah. So obviously they weren't going to do that. But but then he mentioned, look, cut my head off and see how many crew I can walk past and please set those crew free. And ultimately in the end, apparently they cut his head off and he walked, still carried on walking past 11 of his crew members. This is obviously embellished. Sure. But uh, that's sort of the legend behind Storterbaker. Again, grisly as hell. Captain Kidd deserves a mention because he apparently killed some subordinate with a wooden bucket once. He stopped in New York and buried treasure, which people are still trying to find. And he was actually arrested before making it back to England. And he was tried and executed. And his decaying body was displayed on the banks of the River Thames as a warning to other people who wanted to be pirates. Again, grisly. Yeah, and it just shows you exactly what you said earlier, that that's how they warn people, about fear and intimidation. Now, Madam Cheng, and we covered an amazing Chinese empress not so long ago, but Madam Cheng was probably the most powerful pirate in the world for a very long time. Uh, she took over a business that was started by her husband. It was the largest pirate confederation in history. She expanded it even further. Apparently, she had 1,800 ships and 70,000 men at her command. I mean, that's, that's the size of, of some countries' navies at the peak of World War II. And she really did have an incredible hold over these people. And as a woman, again, it's all the more remarkable because this was such a violent and masculine world. They attacked ships in the South China Sea. They kidnapped British sailors. And they really were just incredibly dangerous people. And arguably, she was the most efficient, most effective pirate. Oh, yeah. And, and most of their business was actually through opium smuggling. But um, she started off as a prostitute. And then, you know, piracy called her and she took to it like a duck to water. But they did get a bit tough on piracy. And she knew that that game was up. So then she just took to a quite a, a life in a golden years running. I think it was uh, drug smuggling operations. Yeah, that's exactly right. So something small, you know. Yeah, exactly. We should turn our attention to the biggest and most famous pirate of all, the one who's the inspiration for Johnny Depp's character to a large degree. And he makes a cameo appearance in Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know. There have been so many books and so many movies about him. But Edward Teach, if that was his real name, or Blackbeard, as he was better known, was quite an incredible guy. If you saw him, if he walked out of the, the cannon smoke, you would see a man with long braided facial hair. He'd have abrasive pistols in his bandolier. He had daggers across his chest and in his mouth where he'd hold a, a dagger in the teeth like they, you know, they make it look like in the cartoons. All pirates did that. And uh, he would have smoke coming out of his ears because he had, you know, th these two fuses basically in the hat and they would make it smoke wherever he went. So he was a terrifying guy. If you expected to see a vicious, evil pirate, this was pretty much the picture that you would be delivered. And he wanted to do that. That was definitely his persona was everything. He grew his beard just below his eyes, and then he grew it horizontally out. So he, he really, really looked scary. He wanted to be something from the dark world because ultimately in the end, they didn't want to spend most of their time fighting the ships they wanted to take over. They just wanted to plunder, make it simple, kill the people and move on. And if the people were scared, they would just go on their hands and knees and let them carry on. So that's really what he wanted to do. It was the easiest and quickest way for them to plunder. He obviously is also one of those people who's written in legend that he received 20 stab wounds and five gunshot wounds before he eventually died. And he was probably the, the most famous guy during what they call the golden age of piracy. And it would only last a few years after he died. 
So that golden age of piracy, um, it was very, very short. It could have spanned a couple of decades where all of these pirates, Calico Jack, Blackbeard, they were all operating in the Caribbean and up the east coast of, of the United States. But the pickings started to get slimmer and slimmer. And slowly but surely, these guys, they died out. Tell me about Calico Jack. You've mentioned him twice already, and, and I don't know very much about him. So Calico Jack, or John Rackham as they called him, he was a pirate. Initially, he was a quartermaster on Charles Vale's boat, who was another vicious pirate. And he mutinied on Charles Vale because he said that he got soft because he ran away from a French warship. But ultimately, in the end, I think Calico Jack also ended up not having a great reputation because near the end of the era, he met Anne Bonny and he had Mary Reed on his boat. And they had a relationship, Anne Bonny and himself. And as they plundered and carried on, um, they formed a formidable force. But where he met his end was they decided to have a big party. They just plundered a ship and they had lots of rum. They got drunk. And there were a lot of government boats searching for pirates. And they got so drunk, they started firing their pistols. The government boats heard about it. So they tried to run away. But when you're drunk, it's very difficult to be a great seaman. So they caught them. And they basically hang him. I think it was called... There's a name. There was a certain hill where they've killed tons and tons of pirates in Jamaica. And the night before he was killed, and Bonnie came to him and said, well, if you fought like a man, you wouldn't die like a dog. Sure. This Mary Reed was quite a work of art as well. She was fearsome. I mean, like many women at that stage who were doing men's work, um, she had to dress up as a man. And they discovered, often to their detriment, that it was a woman when it was too late. Anne Bonny and, and Mary Reed were fearsome. Often they would be fighting till the death. The men, pirates or whatever that term might be, they were below deck and they'd scream, come out and fight, you cowards. And that's how these two ladies actually got captured. They were the only ones fighting. What about the other one, Anne Bonny? So like all pirates, including Blackbeard and all of them, there's very little known about where they grew up, etc. But apparently she came over from Ireland to make a new life with her father and her father was hoping that she'd marry somebody special, but she married a sailor who was just useless. Then when Calico Jack arrived, she fell in love with him. And nobody knows what happened to her because she was not executed because she was pregnant. And so she disappeared. There's rumors she went back to her father. Hmm. But when Calico Jack was hung, Mary Reed died of fever in prison. And Anne Bonnie disappeared from the records. Well, I mean, pirates definitely made everything much more colorful. And as we said, all of these movies about pirates and all of these books that have been written since then have almost made them more famous than they would have been in their own time. And for most people, encountering pirates was a very rare thing, even in the times where there were huge fleets of them. But now, looking back, it must have been a very romantic, very exciting time, which is why it makes for such good fiction. And so much of it turns out to actually be true. On the romantic side, it's always hard to say. It looked, I think it was a scary life, you know, living on the high seas in those days. All right, that is piracy, erg. And uh, we, will, we will return with more blind history. We've had an incredible season, some absolutely amazing people, people that I had no idea existed, people that I've, I'm hoping that you've discovered things about that you didn't know before. And uh, as always, we're looking for your suggestions on who we can cover in these episodes. We've had some terrific ideas that have been provided by people who listen to the show, and we love that. Um, that really is the way to go. Blind History is brought to you by Taylor Blinds and Shutters. All the episodes are available on the cliffcentral.com website and app, 
as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I managed to find a story from my own family history, which relates to pirates. Somewhere back in the 1600s, one of my ancestors was actually hanged in England for piracy. I don't know how famous or how successful this pirate was, but um, he definitely met his end by being a pirate. And that that was not unusual in those days, I suppose.